If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, folks, I have stories today. I I don't even know where to start. Um, we've got a story about Pope Joe Biden. That's right. The most religiously observant president we've had in the past 50 years, according to the New York Times. We've got Rand Paul from the floor of the U.S. Senate, which I think I want to start with here this morning. But plenty to get to is the point. Welcome to the program. Oh, we've got we've also got a guy, um, Los Angeles County Council Democrat, um, who was asked to give the Pledge of Allegiance, and that was uh, quite comical. So we'll share that. We'll share that as well. So lots of things to uh, to get to here this morning. But I want to kind of set the stage. I want to set the stage with where we are where we are with impeachment um and Rand Paul giving this speech from the house or the, from the Senate floor yesterday so as you well know as you well know the we have articles of impeachment that have been voted on in the house of representatives and as they did last time, they did the long, dramatic walk, walking those articles of impeachment from the House of Representatives to the Senate. Now, last time, it felt like we were attending a funeral. Last time, it felt like those representatives that were taking the articles of impeachment, including good old Adam Schiff, it felt like, and it was the intent of these folks to have somber looks on their faces they wanted us to feel effectively like they were pallbearers in a funeral walking uh, the articles of impeachment over to the House or to the Senate where the president would be tried. It, they, they did everything in their power to avoid this, right? They were so sad, so distraught. It was such a terrible day in our nation's history, blah, blah, blah. Of course, you know what this was. It was politics, and it's the same thing all over again, right? It goes to show how scared they, the, the radical left, the Democrat Party, is of Trump and his supporters. They don't want this guy anywhere near anything that says president of whatever. By the way, saying that, did you see President Trump has started the what what make sure I get this correctly. I've got it here in my Oh, I got so many stories here that I'm looking at. Well they the, the official office I may have to ask Oz to look that up. President Trump started the official uh, office of the former president. 
<laughs> which I got to tell you, I love. If Biden can be can start the, uh, I guess some would say Biden didn't start it, but if Biden can can come in and, and pretend to be office of the president elect, President Trump says, why can't we have the office of the former president? I think that it at least stands to uh, to logic there as far as consistency is concerned. So anyway, but but they don't want President Trump anywhere near. Anything president of the PTO, they don't want President Trump anywhere near, I mean, president of the local chamber of commerce. They can't stand any of that. They don't want that. They want this. Again, we're in the uh, the, the period of time where it's payback politics, the politics of retribution. They're going to be paid back for your political positions. And so they're pushing through another silly impeachment. Uh, it's another sham. It really is another sham. And Rand Paul talks about this uh, from the from the floor of the U.S. Senate. Now, it's about a, I don't know, nine-minute speech. He was given, given 10 minutes to speak from the floor. He did not use all 10 minutes. But I want to play a part of this. And uh, Petals, Petals who helps with our social media, she will post this later uh, later today so that you can see this either on our website or um, on on Facebook or wherever you connect with on on social media. If you want to watch the whole thing, I will not play the whole thing, uh, but it's a good speech. It's a good speech. It's gone viral, as they as they say, it's gone viral on social media. And Rand Paul, um, you know, I think depicts things pretty darn accurately here from the Senate floor, talking about what's going on, talking about the hypocrisy, um, and it, it, he did this right before. He made a motion to basically um, take a vote from all 100 senators, all 100 senators, to say whether or not this impeachment was in accordance with the Constitution. Now, the vote came out 55 to 45. 45 Republicans said no, this is not a constitutional process. Although if you ask uh, individual Republicans, some of them interpreted it slightly differently. But the, the intent was to say, look... Are we what we're embarking upon here? Should we dismiss this because this isn't even part of the Constitution? This guy isn't even currently president of the United States. What are we doing here? We're impeaching citizen Trump. Are we going to impeach President Obama next? Can we go back and impeach President Bill Clinton again? Can we go back and impeach Jimmy Carter? Jimmy Carter's still alive. Maybe we should impeach him as well. Right, this is kind of uh, the argument. Democrats will say, "Well, they started this impeachment while Trump was in office." Well, but if the point of impeachment, if the point of impeachment is to address a sitting president, why did they did they not have the foresight to know that his term was ending on January twentieth? I mean, do they not have a calendar handy? I don't. What, what are they What are they doing here? If the point is to remove him from office, then that was already achieved by the natural course of. Of things because of the timelines, the realities that we face. One term ended and another began at noon on January twentieth, twenty twenty one. So what's the what's the point here? Well, we want to make sure that Trump never runs for president ever again. Well, don't voters have a voice in that? Shouldn't voters have a say in that? Well, no, because this guy's a Nazi. <laughs> That's basically the argument here. So. So this is what they're going to do. But the five – oh, boy, I had this pulled up. The five Republican senators who voted uh, not to dismiss these impeachment charges, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to vote to convict. 
but who knows? And they might. I know it includes Mitt Romney, Ben Sass, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, and I'm drawing a blank. It may have been Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania. Let's see if I can find this really quickly. But anyway, 55 to 45. And this, this speech was given that I'm going to play for you right before right before that vote uh, took place in the Senate. So this is now moving on. Yeah, here they are. Mitt Romney from Utah, Ben Sass, Nebraska, Susan Collins from Maine, Murkowski from Alaska, Pat Toomey from the state of Pennsylvania, 55 to 45. Now, you may be at home saying, oh, wait a minute, or driving to work or wherever you are. You might say, wait a minute, this is, this is, we're 12 short, right? We've got 45 folks that are saying, let's throw this, let's not even have this process take place in the Senate. This is unconstitutional. We shouldn't be trying to impeach someone who's not currently president or convict someone who's not currently president. He's been impeached a second time. They got their headline, too, by the way. If Trump ever decides to run again, that's what we'll hear. This guy's been impeached twice, right? You know, and and a lot of other things as well. But nonetheless, nonetheless, if 45 folks think that this is a sham process, where do they think they're going to get another 12 votes for impeachment? It takes 60, well, for conviction. It takes 67 senators, two-thirds of the U.S. Senate, uh, to vote to convict. And they've only got 55 that even say it's a legitimate process. 45 say the case should be dropped, dismissed. Not only that, and I'm, I'm going to get to this uh, soundbite. It's probably going to be next segment. But not only that, another thing that I was, you know, of course, on my list yesterday, but we didn't uh, didn't have time to get to it, was Senator Patrick Leahy. Patrick Leahy is going to act as the judge in this impeachment hearing, in this uh, in this trial. He's going to act as judge. Now, you might remember, because we don't have to go back far in our history books, maybe almost exactly one year, candidly, to where we can find the point in time when... Trump was impeached and was being tried in the Senate previously. Do you remember who presided over that case? Who was the judge, if you will, for the trial in the U.S. Senate? That's right. For those of you who answered correctly, you get a smiley face here, sticker applied next to your name, John Roberts, Chief Justice John Roberts. But he's not going to be presiding this time. In fact, Democrats have have, have gone to the trouble of saying we want – of making sure that everyone knows that this is a partisan ploy, a partisan hack. They actually are having a judge who voted last time as a sitting senator. He was one of the however many voted to remove Trump from office. Um, Patrick Leahy, Senator Leahy, he's now going to be the judge. So you have a judge who's <laughs> a judge overseeing this trial who's already voted to impeach Trump. Does that sound like an unbiased and fair? I mean, this is, of course it's not. Of course it's not unbiased. Of course it's not fair. We're we're to the point where they don't even care to pretend anymore. Can you imagine? I, I don't even like, you don't hear me say this much. From time to time I do just to kind of, I guess, point out something that should be paid attention to more frequently. I know you do as probably why I don't do it often. But can you imagine if the if the shoe were on the other foot, so to speak, and Obama or Biden or Clinton were being impeached and the person presiding over that 
hearing in the U.S. Senate was Trent Lott or if that person presiding over uh, the Senate hearing was I – mean, take your pick, Mitch McConnell, on down the line. I went back – for those of you who don't know, Trent Lott was a senator from Mississippi years ago, was hated also by Democrats and the left. But anyhow – can you imagine? And I would say rightfully so. This is supposed to be an unbiased process, but it's it's not, of course. And they don't even care to pretend that it is anymore is perhaps the point. So, 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 that being said, timeout is is in order here. By the way, I didn't mention this on the off the top, but if you have thoughts, questions, opinions, feedback, and yes, I'll even accept adoration and praise, you can email me, Todd, at ToddFShow.com. Again, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. And I do my very best to get back as quickly and as thoroughly as I can, but um, that's where you can email those questions. But we'll unpack un, uh, this issue of impeachment. We'll play this Rand Paul clip, at least a portion of his speech. I want you to get a feel and flavor for it. If you want to hear the whole thing, of course, you can Google it, but we'll I'll be posting it on our website here in a little bit uh, along with our uh, – it'll be posted on social media as well. So get to that after the break. Sit tight. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. By the way, this program is brought to you by the good folks at Economy, Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. Folks, if you have a need for, you know, maybe your furnace is acting up, maybe you're not sure if it can keep up with the colder temperatures, maybe you're looking forward to spring, which really isn't too far away. In fact, Groundhog Day is next week. I got to tell you, <laughs> the most ridiculous holiday, but it entertains me. Puxatawney Phil, you better make sure that that spring's right around the corner. But anyway... Warmer weather is not too far. We're still in the midst of winter. Who knows? You might have a number of issues that you're thinking about at your home. If you're considering looking at your furnace, wondering if it's efficient, uh, maybe just needing a tune-up, consider our friends at Economy Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. Find out more information by visiting their website, economyheatingandair.com. That's economyheatingandair.com. So let's get to this speech. Rand Paul from the Senate floor yesterday talking about the Really, the insanity, the double standard, the hypocrisy, the unconstitutional behavior of senators as they push for impeachment of a guy who's not even in office any longer. Do you realize how petty this looks? I just, just – this looks so childish and petulant and it's it's – I don't think it's doing – I don't what, – what is their intent here? I mean on the one hand, yes, they're trying to get – Make it impossible for President Trump ever to run for president again. And make no mistake about that. That that notion terrifies them. They cannot separate those of you that like President Trump or maybe maybe you don't like him. Maybe you dislike what he did or what he stands for, the things that he articulated, the things that he tried to accomplish in office. They realize that they cannot separate you and him. And so they say, fine. What does give make it so that you don't have the opportunity to vote for him? He can never run again. Now, that's a long shot. In fact, some would say it's a it's an impossibility based upon what happened yesterday. Who knows in the world of politics? 
and who knows, in a post-Trump Washington, D.C., uh, Republicans are typically, well, Republicans, I think, will revert to the uh, more of the cowardice that we saw prior to President Trump walking onto the, the scene in Washington, D.C. He empowered them in ways that I don't think we've seen in my lifetime. And there's some strong Republicans, but for the most part, there's a lot of, I mean, wimpiness. Let's just get right down to it. I don't know how else to say it. They're not, uh, they're, they're not always the most principled, and they definitely don't stand and stare down opposition the way that they should. So be that as it may. Be that as it may, um, this is where we are, right? And so we're going to have a Senate trial. They tried to dismiss this thing yesterday to no avail. Rand Paul called for that vote after this speech. But I just want you to listen to this. And again, we'll post it on the website a little bit later, toddhuffshow.com. It'll be on our homepage in the section that's called In the News if you want to read more about it or listen to the full speech. And we'll also include this, uh, and we'll we'll post this on social as well, because I do think it's worth listening to. I do think it's worth listening to. He makes some great points. We won't be able to get to all of them. I thought about pulling individual sound bites, but there's a lot of good points here, and I just thought it would be better to listen to him articulate what he really, the, the message he was trying to communicate versus pull things out of this. So here's Rand Paul uh, on the U.S. Senate floor talking about impeachment and kind of scolding his colleagues for what they are trying to embark upon and do by impeaching someone who's now a citizen and not president of the United States. This impeachment is nothing more than a partisan exercise designed to further divide the country. Democrats claim to want to unify the country, but impeaching a former president, a private citizen, is the antithesis of unity. Democrats brazenly appointing a pro-impeachment Democrat to preside over the trial is not fair or impartial. That's Patrick And Leahy. hardly encourages any kind of unity in our country. No, unity is the opposite of this travesty we are about to witness. If we are about to try to impeach a president, where is the chief justice? If the accused is no longer president, where is the constitutional power to impeach him? Private citizens don't get impeached. Impeachment is for removal from office. And the accused here has already left office. Hyperpartisan Democrats are about to drag our great country down into the gutter of rancor and vitriol, the likes of which has never been seen in our nation's history. Okay, pause real quick. It, it, I, I just keep coming back to this. What is, what is the point here? He, he, not his point, but what is the point of the of the opposing side? What are they really? What is their stated objective here? Because he points out what I think is so elementary and simple that I think even a radical leftist should be able to understand this. He's saying, and take it easy if you're a leftist. I'm just having a little bit of fun, but hey, if the shoe fits, I'm just saying. But so Rand Paul is saying, look. The Constitution outlines a process whereby the House and the Senate can begin and you know go through this process known as impeachment, and the purpose is to remove someone from office. That's the purpose. He's not in office. Do I need to state the obvious here? He's not in office. 
He can't be removed from office because he's not there. So what is the intended purpose here? I mean, I've been saying on this program, and I stand by this, the era of payback politics is now underway. Are they openly now just acknowledging that this is purely and simply payback politics? I think I said this yesterday. I've been thinking this for – I have to confess to you. Don't tell anybody Don't tell anybody this. But there are times – there are times that I, you know, I think about things I'm going to say. Sometimes I have conversations with people that are not uh, – that don't involve the microphone and broadcasting this program out. It's just other conversations or things that I do you know, outside of this program. And I have to pause sometimes because I think, did I say that during the program or was that during a conversation or was I just thinking that and didn't get to it? But I, I've thought this um, for, for, um, for, for some time. I've thought this for, for, for some time that this um, impeachment here is – how do I want to say this? It, this, this notion of, of, of payback politics is – well, it's not a good thing that we're, that we're venturing into, right? And so – but at, at its core, the, the purpose of impeachment is to give Congress – a means by which they can basically stop someone who's currently in office or, or penalize them, remove them from office. And of course, if they're not in office, there's no need to do that because the American people, right, through their ability to cast their votes, have the opportunity to weigh in. So impeachment is during that period of time when someone has been elected – and they're serving in office, and they don't have another re-election until sometime down the road. So the voter can't do anything about it, but their representatives can. So we're now at a point where the voters can, can speak again on Donald Trump if he decides to run for any office. And they don't want to give you that opportunity. Just let that sink in. They don't want to give you and me the opportunity to pick if Donald Trump decides to run – to choose him as our president. What does that say? What to me to me that demonstrates really the the purpose here, which is to again, it's simply payback politics. It's to shut down the other side. It shows us and I listen to Republicans, especially these never Trumpers talking about how here's our chance to reclaim, I don't know, the moral authority and all this sort of stuff for the party because Trump's gone, blah, blah, blah. And I I just sit there and think, you know, are we going to reclaim our ability to lose with dignity? I think Rush says that. People in Washington, D.C., Republicans are applauded for losing with dignity. Oh, man, you you lost that one. But, man, you did it with such grace and style. Oh, so, so much to be applauded there. And people are cool with that. I, I – that is nonsensical to me. This, this republic is under assault. Our liberties are under assault. The things that we're witnessing from the Democrat Party, from President Joe Biden, or if you prefer Pope Joe Biden, which we'll get to that a little bit later in the program, the things that we're witnessing are truly not in accordance with our founding principles. These things, the, the policies and the 
direction that the Democrat Party wants to implement, the direction they want to take us, is not toward the Constitution. It's not towards liberty. It's not towards freedom. It's towards statism. It's it's towards a bigger, more bureaucratic state that is involved in more parts of your life, that's dictating to you what you can and cannot think and say and do, taking more of your money, all under the guise that they're going to somehow get a group of these folks together and they can usher in utopia on planet Earth. That's, That's what they really, at the core, want you to believe. If you just give them more power, if you just give them more of your money, if you just give them more of something, they can make so much thing, so many things better for you. Things will be so much better. Utopia will be achieved. That's why one of the reasons why President Biden gets elected, the media fawning over him. Again, I've referenced this a couple times now, but even saying he's what the most uh, observant religious president in the fa- in the past fifty years, whatever the world that's supposed to mean. Anyway, I'll get to that as well. But what we are watching here is a sham. It is a shame. But there is no shame for these uh, for these folks because the ends justify the means. And it's the era of payback politics. And they're in control now. And the media helps them accomplish their mission, helps give them political cover. There's no consequences. And there's going to be political hell to pay for those, for those who have stood either with Trump For those who have stood for the Constitution, for limited government, these folks need to be destroyed in the minds of the radical left. So here we are, and this is what we're about to embark upon. So timeout is in order. I'll play a little bit more of this speech when we get back. When we get back, you're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in in just a minute. For those of you that were watching the stream on social media, it dropped for some reason, so I had to relaunch it. So we're back up uh, there. It froze, and I don't know, gave me some prompt saying that I had to restart. So anyway, that's being done. But I want to get back to this speech here. Rand Paul, Senate floor, um, talking about impeachment, basically telling the Senate Democrats and even a handful of Republicans that ended up voting Uh, to proceed with this sham trial. What's up? Here he is. This is where we stopped uh, last segment. Instead of doing the nation's work with their new majorities in the House, the Senate, and the executive branch, Democrats are wasting the nation's time on a partisan vendetta against a man no longer in office. It's almost as if they have no ability to exist except in opposition to Donald Trump. Without him as their boogeyman, they might have to legislate and to actually convince Americans that their policy prescriptions are the right ones. Don't tempt them to legislate, Lorraine. Democrats are about to do something no self-respecting senator has ever stooped to. Democrats are insisting the election is actually not over, and so they insist on regurgitating the bitterness of the election. True. This acrimony... They are about to unleash has never before been tried. Why? Doesn't matter. Because calmer heads have typically prevailed in our history and allowed public opinion to cast blame where blame is deserved. This sham of an impeachment 
will ostensibly ask whether the president incited the reprehensible behavior and violence of January 6th when he said, I know everyone here will soon march to the Capitol to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Whoa. Peacefully and patriotically. Hardly words of violence. Oh, dog whistle, I'm sure they'll say, Rand. what of Democrat words? What of Democrat incitement to violence? No Democrat will honestly ask whether Bernie Sanders incited the shooter that nearly killed Steve Scalise. Remember this? And volunteer coach. The shooter nearly pulled off a massacre. I was there because he fervently believed the false and inflammatory rhetoric spewed by Bernie and other Democrats, such as the Republican health care plan for the uninsured is that you die. They do as say this stuff about like that. Bernie supporter shot Steve Scalise, nearly killing him, and shot one of our coaches and two or three of our staff, he screamed, this is for health care. Ask me or anyone if that's incitement. No Democrat will ask whether Cory Booker incited violence when he called for his supporters to get get up in their face of Congress people. A very visual and specific incitement. Tough guy, Cory Booker. No Democrat will ask whether Maxine Waters incited violence (laughs) when she literally told her supporters, and I quote, that if you see a member of the Trump administration at a restaurant, at an apartment store, at a gas station, or any place, you create a crowd Form a and mob. you push back on them. Form a mob. Is that not incitement? <laughs> My wife and I were pushed I gotta and stop surrounded. This. You can listen and... to the rest of this. Um, of course, you can Google it or you can – yeah, we'll, we'll post it to the website a little bit later this morning. Pedals will take care of that as well as post it to social media. But he makes you know a great argument, a great point here. You know, this this is it is a sham. <clears throat> it is not um what what we're being told is the reasoning and rationale for this. This doesn't hold up to any scrutiny. First of all, he's not president of the United States any longer. Right? He's not president of the United States. Um there's no one to remove from office because he's already been removed from office based upon the outcome or uh, what we've been told is the outcome. I know many of you have lots of questions and concerns about that. Some of you uh, believe that it was downright stolen. Others think that it at least has questions or you have concerns about the integrity of the election. But that's what we've gone through. We've gone through court cases and all this stuff with presentations before legislatures and folks didn't do anything about it. So we're, we have Joe Biden Whether they should or shouldn't, I leave to you to determine at this particular point in time. But Joe Biden's president, Donald Trump's not. What are we doing? He's he's encouraging them to do what the American people elected them to do, supposedly, which is legislate here. I I don't even know if that's what uh, the American people elected them to do because they didn't talk about their – at least Joe Biden didn't. Biden didn't go out there and talk. People don't even know what Biden wants to do. That's why people – there's a lot of people already in buyer's remorse over Joe Biden. I think how in the world can you have buyer's remorse? I mean this is – people like me were telling you exactly what to expect with this guy. He wants to stop construction now of the border wall. He's signing executive orders like they're going out of style. It was in the first three days he, sold, he signed 19 executive orders. 
19 times what Trump did, I think. Trump signed one, I believe, in the first three days. Biden's just, you know, going through, you know, writing executive orders left and right. And look, there's a place for executive orders. I There really is. But it, it context matters, and we don't ever get to the context. You don't write a law through an executive order. An executive order is meant to be issued so as to direct the executive branch to comply with or to execute the law that was written and passed by Congress. If that's the intent of the, if that's what the executive order is, that's legitimate. If it's creating laws or stopping things that Congress has explicitly voted for or stepping out of the lane of the executive branch, that's not legitimate. So anyway, this is where we are. I wouldn't encourage these, these folks to, to legislate. I mean, I, what they're doing to President Trump is a complete and utter sham. Um, but, I, you know, the, the chances of him being convicted are, are fairly low at this particular point. So if you ask me, as much as this is an atrocity to the United States and our system of government, um, it's not as atrocious as some of the things they want to do. I guess you could look at it that way. I guess you could say it's better for them to do this offensive, ridiculous, nonsensical, unconstitutional impeachment hearing than it is to begin to legislate some unconstitutional, out-of-control, radical left ideas and policies. Those at least, um, they, they cause more damage to the average person. But it, but in, in seriousness here, what, what they are doing um, is not good for this republic. It serves no no real purpose. I don't know if this is to appease their base, to help with fundraising. I don't know what this is really for, but the idea that they're going to somehow convict President Trump here and make sure he never serves again is a bit of a pipe dream. Still, if they can pull it off, they'll be happy to do so because they are terrified of him. They are terrified of you. And they're not terrified of the folks in Congress. Maybe a couple, but not really. Not to the degree of Trump. Nothing comes close. So timeout is in order. When we get back, I want to shift gears. I want to talk about Pope Joe Biden. That's right. And I want to talk about some of these fawning pieces about Joe Biden and how he is, well, the most religiously observant president, whatever that's even supposed to mean, in modern history. So we'll talk about that when we return. Sit tight. Back here in just a minute. This program also brought to you by our friends at Smalling Masonry. Smalling Masonry came out and took care of our chimney. They cleaned it. We've got a, a wood burner. I think I've shared this on here before. Wood burning stove, if that's still what you call these uh, units. I love it, by the way. He actually took the time to show my wife how to. We weren't using it. It's a little bit, it's an older model, and we'd never had one before. You close the damper, and it's got uh, something called a catalyst. I don't know. It helps kind of – it makes burning wood more efficient, and it really makes a nice nice warm environment. He took the time to make sure that we understood that. And so if, if you have a you know a, a need for a chimney to be cleaned, swept, um, you know some sort of chimney work to be done, consider our friends at Smalling Masonry. You can find out more by going to their website, and that website is Beach Grove masonry.com beach b-e-e-c-h beachgrovemasonry.com 
Com. Really quickly, I want to get to this. I don't have a lot of time, but this is an article at redstate.com. Oh, my goodness. Two tweets that uh, that this author, Banshi, forgive me if I mispronounced it, but that's that's who this, that's who this is by. Uh, two tweets are cited in this article that I think are worth reading and discussing quickly here. New York Times. This is a tweet. They actually also have an article, so the article accompanies the tweet. President Biden is perhaps the most religiously observant commander-in-chief in half a century. A different, more liberal Christianity grounds his life and his policies, whatever the world that's supposed to mean. What does it mean for those of you that are true, you know, true believers, true Christians? You know, Is this how you talk about – this is not how I talk about my, my faith. What does it even mean to be religiously observant? So I, I go through the motions. I want to make sure people – and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not casting judgment on that, I'm on Biden. I'm simply saying if your focus is on observing, being religiously observant, shouldn't it be being a true follower? Shouldn't it be being a true disciple? And I'm not suggesting – I'm not, I don't like to get into that area. Um, although we can talk about the the beliefs and actions, I get or the beliefs or what they're what they're trying to accomplish, an individual's trying to to push through, and how that relates to biblical truth. I'm okay with that. I just don't want. I'm not judging him. I'm simply saying, what does that even mean to be religiously observant? Is that how? I mean, I'm just picturing Jesus hanging out with the disciples, talking, and they'd be like, you know what? I really want you guys to be religiously observant. I'm not saying that there's not a point. Of course, there's things that are. Uh, you know, uh, the Seder mill, for example, that that's that's a that's a lot of symbolism, and that's something that should be observed. But there's a lot more to it than just religiously observing something. And then the other tweet here by the New Yorker, <laughs> this is fantastic. I don't have a lot of time to get into this, but I just got to throw this out there. So if I ever call Joe Biden Pope Biden, this is what I'm referencing: President Joe Biden's non-doctrinaire Catholicism is driving comparisons to Pope Francis says the New Yorker, who has vexed traditional U.S. bishops much the way Biden has. We got, a, we got Pope Biden in the White House. It's remarkable. All things are good in the United States of America, again, because Biden strolled in, he's religiously observant, and he's like the Pope. Anyway, timeout is in order here. I can't even take any more of this. Quick timeout back in just a minute. Welcome back. So all the time we have today, folks, but uh, it's always a pleasure. And look, we've got lots of stuff to <laughs> to go through here in the days, weeks, months, and yes, even these next couple of years to come. So I just um, – let me – I still – I, I know that we face difficult circumstances politically speaking. There's, there's no doubt about it, and there's some things we've got to be very aware of as far as what the, the radical left wants to accomplish. But I'm also hopeful because, again, truth is on our side. People have been awakened. I wish it wouldn't have taken this sort of circumstance, but nonetheless, it's where we are. And I still have hope that things can be achieved and that we can persuade people to constitutional conservatism. I've got to go. SDGC tomorrow. Take care. <laughs> 